From 8th Street to 8 Mile Road, from I-5 to Highway 99, Podcast Stockton. The show all about the great life in Stockton, California. This is Podcast Stockton. Welcome to Podcast Stockton, episode 98 for Monday, August the 18th, 2014. I'm Rod Villagomez. And I'm Matt Beckwith. Welcome back to all of our returning listeners. If this is your first time listening to Podcast Stockton, thanks for checking out the show. This week, we get a chance to sit down and talk with Steve Altamari from High Water Brewing. Yeah, we had a great time, Rod, I would say, sitting in this very room, enjoying some great beer from High Water Brewing and Steve is very knowledgeable on the subject of beer, and what a great prelude to Stockton Beer Week, which kicks off this Friday, August 22nd, and runs through August 31st. So enjoy uh, a great conversation about beer um, as we uh, get ready to start Stockton Beer Week. And we, in fact, enjoyed it so much that we've got to make it a two-parter. So uh, once you get done with part one, stick around, download part two, and, and uh, continue the conversation. I guarantee you, you will be thirsty when you're done. We are joined today by Steve Altamari from Highwater Brewing. Steve, thanks for coming into the Outback Studios on the podcast, Stockton. Thank you for having me, Matt. And uh, thank you for for bringing samples of your beer. We're gonna we're gonna start uh, right with that one. The first thing you poured for us is a Hop Riot IPA. Um, and so far, Rod, what do you think? Well, I will tell you right now that uh, there is one no bitter beer face. Two. You don't have to drink it ice cold. I think we had this discussion before the, the cameras <laughs> rolled. But uh, yeah, no no ice cold drinking, no bitter beer face. Um, I definitely give it a, a very high mark. And you are not traditionally an IPA drinker. No, no. So, I, I'm more of a lager and, uh, <laughs> and a stout type of a guy. So yeah, no, I, I'm a big fan already. <laughs> Great. Um, so Steve, you are a brewer first and foremost, I think. Uh, at least I would identify... You as a brewer, how did you get started in the brewing world? Uh, that's way back to the home brewing world. Um, I was working in high tech, and everyone in high tech, of course, their side hobby is brewing beer. You know, it's <laughs> gadgets. You can spend a lot of money and buy neat little gadgets and things and pumps. And my uh, former boss invited me over to his house, said, hey, we got to try this homebrew thing. It's the new gig. You know, everyone's doing it. So we bought the kits, went to the house, brewed. Entered in the competition, won. It was like, great, barley wine. This is easy. It's just everyone should do this as a hobby. And uh, it just started consuming the weekends. And and the, the kitchen was consumed with equipment. And the wife booted me in the garage and bought me some bigger pots. Um, that led just, you know, to a bigger and bigger addiction of brewing on weekends and having people over. And, oh, I'm out of beer again. I got to brew again. Um <laughs> People were coming to our house. My wife's a, a chef. She was cooking. I was making beer. We had a brew pub, you know, without making a single dime, <laughs> which is about what you do with a lot of brew pubs anyways. But um, so we just got the signal from everybody. You should do this, is, you know, all the time. So I went to brew school and actually went to Davis and took the American Brewers Guild classes and ended up transitioning into a professional brewery and actually getting a paycheck. Wow. All started at home with a brew kit. What was the brew kit? It was actually from the R&R Fermentations uh, up in Sacramento. And you went down and you picked out the flavor you wanted. And we chose what was the barley. It was like a Bigfoot barley wine clone, I believe. And then we said, oh, that's great, but we can put more sugar in to give us more <laughs> alcohol. 
And so we took the kit and modified it, and uh, it just grew and grew. And that, yeah, it was a big, giant barley one, which everyone should start with their first brew, you know? You know, I ask because because my brother, he's a, he's a big beer drinker, but, you know, again, he, he drinks the, the brand that we shall not name here. Um, but, I, you know, he got a Mr. Beer uh, for Christmas one year. And we brewed our own beer and just kind of like you were like, more sugar equals more alcohol. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, let's, uh, but yeah, I mean the Mr. Beer kit, that was, that was probably, you guys laugh at that, but, um, just yeah, add just, water, just add water and you have beer and it's true. You know, you go buy some distilled water, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure yours, uh, like you said, it was a little more high tech. Yeah. Than- well now that, that was the first one we brewed together. So actually when I went home, I of course bought Charlie Papazian's, you know, the joy of home brewing and found this great black beer spruce ale so i'm like oh gotta get that so i went and got all the ingredients and everything but the spruce and i finally found it at a homebrew store in this little tiny jar and and uh i made my beer and i put it in and what i didn't realize was that was the concentrated spruce formula <laughs> one little jar made five like five different doses and i dumped it all in of course so i think i had some of that beer around five or six years and and we taste it, and it's like it's almost drinkable. <laughs> so they're not all successes. Wow. So you mentioned that you were um, before you were before you were brewing that you were um, you had a day job. You worked in you worked in technology. Yes. And that uh, that fed well into your passion for brewing. Uh, wh- why is that? Because you said that that's 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 common. And is that is that the the desire to drink it or you know mess with things and build things i think so i'm I'm an engineer i've got an engineering degree it's material science and you know i'm in the lab we tinker a lot we play it a lot with you know fun gadgets and homebrewing is kind of that way you can start with as simple as mr brew add water then you go i'm going to do it on my stovetop so you know you go and buy your stainless steel pot and you get your extract you boil it and you start having fun there and you're adding your hops in and then then you go oh i can get some grains and i can crush them and put them in the pot and now i've got like this modified uh beer i've got the sugars i'm buying from the malt extract but i can put my my flavor crystal malts in or whatever um that of course leads to you mean you can actually create your own mash and rather than buy the syrup i'll create my own so you know you now you're in the garage and you've got the big cooler and you've You've gone and borrowed those big kegs from that one brewery we'll not name, and you've taken them to your stainless welder who's cut the top off and put the valves in the side, and you've got, you know, 72,000 BTU burners, and you're getting, you know, steel racks built, and, you know, it's just, it's fun. It's tinkering, and, and out of it, the end result, you get beer, so that's that's a good thing. Any hobby that leads to beer, come on. <laughs> it's not really a hobby anymore, yeah. right? And, and so how long ago was that that, that you started? Uh, that was in, uh, uh, let's see, around 80, 1988, 89, thinking through there, yeah. Wow. And uh, it was 93 that I actually would, uh, it's kind of departed the high-tech world and decided to do something different, and uh, about a year and a half of, thinking about it the beer strategy was the way to go so in 95 is when i actually got into the uh, davis uh, brewers guild program and uh was full on like oh i'm gonna do this for a career so many years ago so then did that lead to you opening up your own shop right away or were you just kind of selling it out of your 
trunk of your car. No, actually, we were. I was living up in uh, Cameron Park area, a little town called Rescue. It's about an hour and a half from here. And when we were signing up for the guild, we found an opportunity for the Eldorado Brewing Company in Stockton here, which is the brew pub. And uh, we had seen it was up for sale. So I started talking to some friends, and I ran into a friend from college who was living in San Francisco, and he said, hey, we should go buy a brew pub. So, of course <laughs> we should. So we did. And uh, ended up uh, taking, as part of the guild program, you get to do an extended hands-on apprenticeship in a brewery. And so they usually, typically they'll assign you. You just list three breweries you want to go to, and they'll end up assigning you there. I went in and met with the the guys running the guild and said, look, I'm, I'm going to buy this place. I'm in the process of buying it, and I need to be assigned there, but no one can know that I'm actually going to buy it <laughs> other than the owner. So, because it's, you know, it's, it's not open, openly listed. So I ended up working there kind of behind the scenes as the, the guildo, wow. as we referred to the guild guys, they're called the guildos and, you know, go. <laughs> it was great. I got to learn uh, Blake Bombin, uh great winemaker. Now he was the original brewer there and I uh, learned under him and um, we ended up buying it. You know, it was one of those, I, I liked the place so much we bought it. And, and uh, we ran that for two years. That's we, we switched it over to Valley Brew Brewing Company at the time. Um, we had lost the uh, Eldorado Brewing name. It was a trademark kind of issue. So mm. we chose to take the Valley Brew part of it, which they made and made Valley, Bre- Valley Brewing Company. So, um, yeah, we, so we sold that in 97-ish, and I was there up through 2010 was when uh, departed there, and that's when High Water hit the road. And essentially uh, 2010 to 2011 licensing and getting that all done and March 2011, the first beers came out. And Valley Brew isn't brewing anymore. Nope. Right? They no, as far as we know, I don't think they have a brewing uh, system ago. or anything. They're a uh, tap, tap they alehouse. Used, they used to brew. Yeah, there was actually, a, when we bought it originally, there was a uh, the original owner who, who installed the equipment um, and uh, owned it, Creighton Yonell, um, the advertising uh, business in town. And uh, he ran it for a year or two. We picked it up for a couple of years. We had a small brew house in, it used to be able to go in and look through the window, the fish tank and behind the window was the, uh, the brewer mm-hmm. brewery. Um, I actually built a production brewery for them, uh, over on Fremont street. I think it was 97, mm-hmm. right around 97. It was running about three years. So they actually had an offsite production, but that's all been, uh, taken down. So they're essentially restaurant nail house right now. So once upon a time, you actually did. Now, the high water was that was that beer that you were kind of playing around with while you were doing the Valley Brew thing, or is this something that was? No, actually, it was a total clean, hundred percent departure. Um, high water was a spin on our last name, Altamari, Alta High, Mara Seas, so high water. Oh, and uh, we went off and spun off, and essentially, total new recipes. Um, not one single hop was identical. I'd use a series of hops at Valley for certain signature beers and essentially took it and just, we struck out anew and IPA, double IPAs, two most highest selling, you know, craft beers in the world in the United States. So our first two beers, two beers, you know, first one was an IPA and the second was a double IPA separated by about 12 hours. <laughs> so <laughs> oh, wow. we hit the, hit the ground running uh, with those two beers. And, so you, uh, did, you, you didn't start with a, with a, big old barley wine no we added that the first year of course but uh <laughs> and so earlier you mentioned that the the barley one that you started with was was kind of a knockoff of bigfoot are you yeah. are you a fan of, uh, of sierra nevada oh yes huge fan 
I'll be up there next weekend. There's a, <laughs> it's the big Sierra Nevada, the beer camp. Yeah, yeah. Giant festival. We'll be yeah. pouring beers at Sierra. Um, actually, interesting is our corporate address is Chico. Oh, so you'll really? see Chico listed a lot, and that's one of our partners uh, lives in Chico. And we actually have the corporation registered there. Okay. And we use it as the mailing address. So we're technically a the other brewery in Chico. Nice. So I made sure we put that on when we filled out the applications at, with our Chico address. and, and oh, for, uh, for beer camp? Yes. Yeah. So there'll be two beers. From, I think there's two breweries in Chico now pouring <laughs> next weekend. <laughs> there's one really, really, really big one. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bigger than ours. <laughs> yeah, that is a uh, recently had the chance to go through the tour. Um, at Sierra Nevada, and uh, that was uh, that's it's quite a big operation. It's um, and they pour pretty heavy at the tour. So <laughs> I love that tour, and actually the other the really fun tour from a brewer side is the the backside, which is I've seen enough kettles in my life, but I want to see their waste management, their uh, gas generation, their yeah. solar. They have phenomenal. Uh, you know, uh, sustainability programs in well, place. The, the fact that their solar farm is now large enough that PG&E won't allow anybody <laughs> to have that large of a solar farm. And then as you're standing there looking at the thousands of solar panels, you see their five um, uh, hydrogen cells yes. that are that are generating power as well. They so have they the are original a, fuel cells. And yeah, yeah, they've got hybrid trucks. Um, they do a lot to uh, the water and the waste management. I believe their actual output of, of something that's going to go to a landfill they don't control is about one pallet a year. It's some of the parts of a ballpoint pen and some of the ones that they can't control. But all of their waste from the kitchen goes into this really awesome organic uh, mm. <laughs> composter. It's it's yeah. it's high-tech composter. And that thing produces so much compost at a high rate that goes into their farms yeah. where they grow their vegetables for the restaurant. And, yeah. and they're, yeah, they're really on top of it. Let's get real basic, Steve. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like beer, <laughs> but I don't know a lot about beer. And beer seems to be getting more and more popular. And uh, again, because I do know that beer is older than wine. I, I always use that line when people uh, look down their noses at beer. But but uh, for people that are curious about beer, what, what are the basic ingredients to make a beer? Basically, four ingredients. The number one being water, which is, you know, somewhere from 90 to 90 well some some brewers have a lot of water in them (laughs) but uh typical craft brewers you know if it's five percent alcohol and uh you know if you take away some of the residual sugars and things you still got 90 some percent water Mm -hmm. um that's your base that carries all your flavor um the second part of it uh the ingredient for raw materials is the malt um the most traditional being barley and uh Malted barley essentially is, uh, if you take the seed as if you were going to plant it in the earth and grow more barley, um, that kernel, um, you soak it in water, or actually the maltster does this, and soaks it in water, and it essentially goes, oh, I'm growing, I start to grow, and it starts converting the starch in the kernel to sugar, um, so it can live off it, and uh, they stop the process by, you know, drying it, and then they hand it to us, the brewers, and we're like, great, little packets of sugar, so, (laughs) you know, the malt in itself is sugar so that's that's your second part your ingredient and uh third is hops which for bitterness um and aroma so you know traditionally in the past the big brewer guys use very few hops i mean they literally use tons of hops but the amount of residual hop bitterness in a beer is fairly low mm-hmm. um craft breweries we we exploit both sides of the hop the the bitterness which is a, a it's an acid uh 
in the in the hop that we boil the acid and um it essentially it turns into a bitterness unit mm -hmm. um and uh and then the other part of the hop are these oils which you know the big guys don't they never use it was just we put it in we we boil the hop we get the bitterness out and we're done and we have very low bittering units but the craft guys are typically yeah you know in most styles that that are, are aromatic um we're taking advantage of the oils and hops so we're putting the, the hops back in the fermenter after we've made the beer um getting these lovely aroma and mouthfeel um so those are the three ingredients that on their own don't do anything and the, the magic one is yeast mm -hmm. the fourth ingredient and that that's the little workhorse and essentially the the brewer's yeast uh, consumes the sugar that, that's from that barley malt and uh, produces two lovely ingredients, alcohol and carbon dioxide. Mm -hmm. um, carbon dioxide, we essentially, you know, it bubbles out. Some larger breweries can actually capture that. Um, the uh, true work part of it, though, is, is producing the alcohol. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, during that whole process, though, it produces just flavors and esters, you know, aromas, uh, I don't think people realize how much of the beer is influenced by the yeast. And mm -hmm. you could take the same base recipe and brew it and put 50 different yeasts on that. And you would not recognize it other than the color that that was the same beer. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could literally brew one homebrew recipe, knock it out of the park every time, throw a different yeast on it. And you could have a Belgian flavor. You could have a dry, you know, a cream ale. There's just a lot of variety there. Um, but uh, yeah, so those, those, all four put together that and then you have beer and um you start adding other things and and essentially that's where a lot of the craft guys i do that you know we use some other ingredients they have licorice and uh we get from a star anise um we we use graham crackers in one of our beers the campfire stout, the campfire stout. again it's flavor and there's a sugar source there um we've used so wait so wait you use it, straight up Graham crackers, like the real mash. legit graham crackers. Real legit. Yeah. In fact, mash when them all we up. first started, our first test batches were the the Keebler elves were in the corner helping us, and we were <laughs> we were buying crumbs, and we actually didn't go through the cracker crunching. That was a little too labor intensive, but we were buying ten pound boxes of graham cracker crumb from Nabisco. Um, test batched them out. Started looking at the ingredient list. Wanted to sell with Whole Foods, and says, "Oh, there's some things high fructose corn sugar. There's some hydrolyzed oils there. Like we don't need that in beer." So. Uh, hooked up with a uh, a bakery in the Midwest, and uh, essentially they are graham cracker producer now. So we buy two thousand pound pallets of graham cracker crumb, oh fifty pound bags, <laughs> and ship them to the brewery. And that's uh, so it's a sugar source, and then there's a flavor and aroma. You mean you when you have campfire stout, you smell the graham cracker. It's there, and it, it's and graham is a wheat flour, so it's it's essentially a wheat product. Hmm. So, so almost the yeastiness anyways, right? Or it, No, not like not the, the wheat. The, a lot of people think of wheat beers being that yeasty. Mm -hmm. If you're thinking like the like the German wheat style. Sure, yeah. That's all yeast. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay. Base wheat by itself produces a flavor similar to barley. And in some cases, the wheat actually is actually drier. Uh, it, 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 it ferments down a little. It, the sugars it produces are a little easier, easier fermentable. Um, but red wheat has a unique flavor in it. You can put it in the beer. We use wheat. I use a, a, a rye, a chocolate rye is a chocolate wheat in some of the beers just for background flavor. It's just, just a small amount. It's Boy. that, what's that flavor in the back of the beer? And, you know, and it's that little twist. That's what makes the recipe fun. Yeah. It's like a great beer drinkers episode right now. You, you just get like the behind the scenes of, of beer. Like I'm excited. Cause, cause you know why? Cause right now. He's opening another one. Yeah, yeah. I love you that heard, sound. You heard that. 
Yeah, we're, actually, we were talking hops. I just immediately thought of Hop Logic here, um, which is our double IPA. It's our Imperial IPA. Um, so we, we just had the Hop Riot, which is our base uh, standard kind of go-to IPA, um, brewed West Coast style, I guess would be the the best term. Um, this is its big brother. It's uh, an Imperial IPA. So uh, this actually weighs in at 9.5% alcohol. I wish you could smell this out there. Hold on, I really do. I'm gonna hold. I'm gonna hold the glass to the microphone in the hopes that maybe the the aroma can get there, but it won't. That's all right. This has a lot of tropical, and there's some hops in here that are uh, reminiscent of uh, peaches and pears. I pick up a lot. Other people get uh, mango, but uh, it's called mosaic. There's a couple other hops with it, but uh, it's one of the newer hops that people are using for the uh, IPAs and double IPAs and all right, so you brought up food, and what does not go better with beer than... Can I make that question sound a little more convoluted? <laughs> beer and food go well together. So let's talk about <laughs> pairing beer and food, because not a lot of people think about that. They always just think, I'm going to drink a beer and I'm going to eat a hot dog, but it's a little more complicated than that, yeah? Yeah, I think... I'm. In the past, beer was always just the, oh, it's pizza time. Let's get a picture of something. And, <laughs> and actually, there's a lot of beers that suck with pizza. Yeah, amen. And, and people don't really, it's like, blow, you get bloaty. It's like, oh, this is bizarre. You know, and uh, food and beer pairs, it's, it's, it's 100 times better than wine. I mean, there's, there's endless beer pairings. And a lot of the recipe development I do is actually, I always think about food and food flavors. And um, I tend to stray away from some of the standard beer categories I have you know, these are more like food to me and it's, it's a beverage, um, that can be food and can go with food really well. Like, so we're, we're just talking about hop logic and you know, we've got this, you know, big aroma. It's nine and a half percent. It's malty. Um, this thing can handle any like spicy food. It's almost like the counter to the hot chicken wings or something really spicy. This, this has the sugar in it. Actually, there's residual carbohydrates here. They give it a little malt flavor. It can kill the, kill the heat, but you know, it, it's, goes just as well with like a salad um there's a there's a lot of palate uh, cleansing properties in beer especially hops so you kind of get that you know you cleans your palate if you're eating a lot of oily greasy pub food that's why beer kind of goes well there some beers go better than others but it's that stripping you've got the, the carbon dioxide in the beer actually acts as a stripper hmm. it just kind of cleans your tongue off and um you know it can hold up to food wine sometimes get oh what a wonderful pairing it's like, yeah, that little nib of cheese and that wine. It's yeah. perfect at that moment. And you're like, all right, let me have a hamburger. And it's like, oh, well, it's like, yeah, this wine doesn't really go with it. And, you know, the, the beer stands up and it just it complements it. And uh, that's a huge field right now is the pairing of food and beer. And as you saw, that some of the beer events we've done, we've paired food with. And um, there's just the, the, the gastro pub is taking off. I mean, that's yeah. I just keep seeing that and getting restaurants to you know treat beer like wine it's like yeah it's okay to buy a 22 ounce bottle of beer and put it on your menu they're like oh someone can't drink a 22 ounce bottle of beer i'm like well you sell 750 milliliter <laughs> bottles of wine <laughs> well that's different they share it i'm like oh wow well let's share a beer let's start a new <laughs> new concept and we fight that I, there's restaurants right now i'm bringing we're gonna have to bring a 12 ounce beer in to get our campfire stout into because they oh. can't do a 22 I would, not, not I would share yeah. a beer with you. I would share a beer with you. I think the Bay Area, it's, it's 22s are everywhere. It's 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 yeah, common. Yeah. And, and, and single serves as well, 375s or yeah. 12 ounces. I mean, it's a great idea. But, you know, the, the smaller guys, it's hard to have every packaging option. I'd love to have the whole, like, 
mega beer, you know, ice, dry ice, can, yeah. 12, 22, 30, 40, every, every option thought, you know, possible. But it's like we, we stick as a draft and we stick to 22s and we're going to try and get some 12s out there. But yeah, uh, for out, 22 ounce and 12 ounce beers. But uh, yeah. And, you know, Steve, you and I met only recently. I mean, I've heard about you for a while, but you and I met at the Puentes uh, fundraiser, which was an amazing beer pairing night. And the menu was um, the menu was great, but the menu was made greater by the pairings. And, and uh, you've talked a little bit about Campfire Stout and that that has that that there's something so unique about that beer. I mean, uh, craft brewers always seem to be trying things to 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 woo new drinkers. And, and some of them seem almost silly, but that campfire is just genuine. And as. And I love a good stout, and that one just surprised the heck out of me because of that graham cracker, because of that little hint of vanilla. Yeah. But the thing you paired it with, I was looking, um, going back to, to what you paired it with um, that night, and there was something with uh, with with blue cheese yeah. uh, on the steak that just, like that campfire stout and that blue cheese. The was, melted blue cheese. Yes. The fondue. The cup. Yes. That was insane that was such a great pairing yeah and that's one of the that's what's nice about beer is actually people when we first brought camphor out it, it wasn't we weren't let's go make a beer that's going to take over the world and it was just this great idea my wife had and barry my wife barry and she thought of this flavor concept yeah that's like you know it's more so i was like oh that's cool <laughs> so i just i'm like you know most people are like as soon as i use the graham crackers i got like I don't know how many emails about, oh, there's preservatives in graham crackers and it's going to kill the yeast so you can't ferment it. I'm like, well, you're drinking the beer that I, that wouldn't ferment? Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> so it's like, don't worry. It, um, it'll work. So I just I just went off and started thinking about the flavors and put it together. And that literally that beer, we introduced it, and we've only made one tweak to the recipe other than the, the graham cracker source, but we just toned the vanilla down a little because initially it came out we were at the Abbey at the pub. I'd done the first five-gallon keg and had the vanilla flavoring, which we add at the end when the beer's done. So we can kind of dial that in. And uh, mm-hmm. I got these wonderful comments. Oh, it's fantastic. It's a, oh, I don't think I could finish a whole one, though. I just have a sip. And that was like, for me, that's the death of a beer. Yeah, I, yeah. I could never finish a pint of this. Yeah. So I was like, nope. So we actually dried the beer out a little bit. We just fermented a little bit drier. And we just cut back a little of vanilla and... I wanted a beer that was a stout first. The flavors are there, but people that like stout will like it. Um, and it's turned into a beer that people that don't even like beer love. People that only drink wine like it. So, well, which is why I am definitely going to pick up some uh, campfire stout yeah, for and, my and, wife because and, we, and your wife doesn't drink beer. No. Um, that night, I mean, that was a wonderful um, event that night, and my wife and I sat at a table with. Um, a group of people that we had never met and, and it's great to go to those kinds of events and meet new people. But half of the people there don't, didn't drink beer. My, my wife yeah. included. So it was a great, uh, it was a, it was great that uh, the campfire was one of those ones that, that not everybody, but a couple of people that had, that are not beer drinkers. And mind you, they're at a beer pairing fundraiser, but, mm-hmm. uh, which was good because whoever they came with got double the beer like I did, <laughs> but that they, they, not just appreciate it, but they said, wow, this is, this is a beer because though in my experience, people that don't drink beer are people that only tried a national brand or international mm-hmm. brand beer. didn't like it and said, I don't like beer. 
I 100% agree. It's what they take, what their first exposure was. Is like, yeah, I don't like beer. What did you try? Well, I had this beer that was just, and then in a lot of ways, I, I respect it because a lot of the beer they tried probably is crap. Yeah. And it, and that actually speaks for itself. I don't like beer because why? Because I tried a mega macro brew. Yeah. Did you try a craft beer? No. Now what happens? Sometimes people get in and like. They go to the party and they bring that craziest, hoppiest beer ever. Oh yeah, Matt, I think you're the guilty of this. No, no, just kidding. Yeah. The one that gets them right, yeah. right, right, and behind and, the. And a lot of that's the other problem, not problem, but that could be the barrier to craft acceptances. Yeah, they have that idea of that own the craft. They're all hoppy, and they're all just super bitter. And it's like actually, there's those are a big majority, but there's another enormous amount of beer well, out there. Is it is it safe to say one of the things? I mean, I, I am not a big wine drinker. But I will say, I will admit that I have learned fully 50% of what I know about beer, I have learned from Paul at Mile Wine Company. Mm-hmm. That he has taught me little bits since he's been open about wine. And I don't drink a lot of wine. My wife drink, my wife enjoys wine. I can't really say she drinks a lot of wine. That sounds bad. <laughs> my wife likes wine. I, I prefer beer. But it seems like I'm, ha- I'm having to have this argument less and less often with people in general that... There is more complexity in beer than there is in wine. I mean, I think there's a lot of wine drinkers that just assume there is no complexity in beer. There's just beer. And for people that love wine, and I have met very few wine drinkers that love every style of wine, every variety of wine. And I guess the same thing can be said about beer. Yes. And it's the the range of beer flavor is a, a hundredfold, I would say, to wine in terms of the flavor components now i love wine and like there are certain wines i like you know the nice thing about wine actually is you know as you let it warm like we're talking about beer different flavors come out and different compounds evolve and it you know it's complex and i think beer is far more complex um and that's the to me the great test of a beer is you pour it you drink it as it warms it continues to be great or gets better and you know that's a sign of yeah there's something going on there and as it warms a lot of the uh different aromas start changing the mm-hmm. the you know your tongue is not getting shocked by cold it's you know it's actually relaxing and enjoying the the different flavors and uh yeah. um, i mean there's beers from sour beers there's beers with salt in them i'm going through the great american beer festival right now the entries are going in for beers and we're entering and i'm finding categories I'm like <laughs> why i forgot about that one or i didn't even know <laughs> There's a historical category this year that's got four different beers in it. And I'm like, you know what? I brewed a beer that fits in a category. I don't even know. <laughs> and it's called an Adam beer, which is like it's like a barley wine style. It's dark, but it's got sourness and lacto. And we have been doing these dark sours. And I just I just call them the high water dark sour. Hmm. You know, it's like, oh, there's sours out there. So this is a dark one. And there's a different category. And it's, it's a very complex beer. And I didn't realize that some of the original beers uh, porters that we were doing we were barrel aging them and some of them got picked up some lactic uh hmm. which is it's just great in, in the aging process mm-hmm. it picks that up hmm. and uh it's in the wine barrel and hmm. uh we had some barrels that were brandy barrels and we had some wine barrels but there's naturally lactobacillus in the air it's just everywhere hmm. and you add a little oxygen and the stuff loves to get a hold of it and and do fun things it creates the lactic acid which is a nice little tart souring effect um and we had this beer. I loved it. And we just kept, and I have barrels of it still, and we've been blending it. And so now, like, it's it's suddenly become, I have a new beer. It's, <laughs> if it's in a category, it's an Adam beer. Yeah. It's, so it's being uh, named Eve. 
Nice. Trademark ah. TM. <laughs> uh, and it's be, it's going to be at JBF, and we're going to start releasing a little bit, uh, some more releases of it under that name finally. And, and but I mean, that's like, I've been in brewing for how many years? You know, the, I don't know how long, a long time, but it's like, I forgot about that category and these other <laughs> categories that I, historically I'd read about, but didn't ever, I've never had one. And now people are going to start producing it. And it, that's pretty cool. I mean, there's beers made with salt in them, the okay. Goza and G-O-S-E. And mm. it, it's this really cool tart beer. Wow. It's a German style start, uh, sour, kind of lemonade almost it can be. Hmm. But it's super refreshing on a hot day. Wow. I mean, that's a lawnmower beer to me. And it's just, you know, four and a half percent. And it's got a little yeah. zing to it and a there little salt. Go. and That's what you want on a those are. I mean, that's day. that's what's fun about beer, discovering things that I should have known that, I guess. I've read about it, but I never had done one. Hey, this is Heather from Visit Stockton. If you love craft beer, you'll love Stockton Beer Week, happening Friday, August 22nd through Sunday, August 31st at bars and restaurants all around Stockton. We have tons of awesome participants this year, including the Abbey Trappist Pub, Av on the Mile, BJ's Restaurant and Brew House, Central Kitchen and Bar, David's Pizza and Lincoln Center, Delta Bistro and Lounge at the University Plaza Waterfront Hotel, Impresso Coffee House, French 25, Lincoln Cellar, which is holding a special early opening just for Stockton Beer Week, Monday, August 25th through Friday, August 29th. Macronage Macarons, Midtown Crepery and Cafe, Mile Wine Company, Valley Brewing Company, The Waterloo Club, and Whiskey Barrel Tavern. These venues are hosting some can't-miss events for Stockton Beer Week this year. The Abbey Trappist Pub has something new going on every day, including their annual Locals-Only Beer Festival on Saturday, August 30th, featuring 12 breweries from within 100 miles of Stockton, Bike Dog, Common Ciders, High Water, Tioga Sequoia, and many more. Tickets are on sale now at the Abbey. Save $10 on general admission if you purchase before the day of the event. The Abbey is also pairing up with Macronage Macarons on Saturday, August 23rd for a beer and macaron flight night. Av on the Mile has some fun nights planned as well. On August 29th, you can drink some Bay Area brews and cheer on the San Francisco Giants as they take on the Brewers. And don't miss David's Pizza in Lincoln Center, a first-time Stockton Beer Week participant. They have added five taps to the bar just in time for Stockton Beer Week. They will be featuring Firestone Walker's 805 and 21st Amendment's Hell or High Watermelon. Try pairing them with their Buffalo Chicken Pizza of the Month. Delta Bistro and Lounge at the University Plaza Waterfront Hotel has a fun night planned on Friday, August 29th. Join them for beer camp with Sierra Nevada in the courtyard. Enjoy various barbecue skewers paired with four Sierra Nevada brews. There will be raffle prizes, music, beer trivia, bottle cap art activities by Sierra Nevada, and plenty to eat and drink. You will also have full access to the courtyard, including outdoor games like billiards and beanbag toss and access to the swimming pool. Tickets are $25 and available at the front desk of the hotel. Kick off Stockton Beer Week early on August 21st with an exclusive Sierra Nevada beer dinner at French 25. Tickets are $40. Reservations are required and space is limited, so act fast. Valley Brewing Company has something new planned for you every night. Check out their beer and comedy show, movie and beer nights, Elvis Beach Party, beer cocktail competitions, and much more. Head on over to the Waterloo Club on Wednesday, August 27th to enjoy live music by Touch of Magic and Alaganitas in Drake's Tap Takeover. 
If you want Lagunitas before that, check out Whiskey Barrel Tavern's Lagunitas IPA and ACDC Tribute Band Night on Friday, August 22nd. Stroll through the many participating bars and restaurants on the Miracle Mile for the annual Beer Bingo on the Mile. It's back this year, and over 10 retailers have joined in on the action and will be offering beer tastings on Thursday, August 28th, along with specials all week long. We are super excited to have an official Stockton Beer Week Red Ale called Stockton Session. Stockton Session was created for us by Dust Bowl Brewing out of Turlock, and it will be available exclusively during Stockton Beer Week at the Abbey Trappist Pub, Central Kitchen and Bar, Impresso Coffee House, Lincoln Cellar, and Mile Wine Company. Get it before it's gone. For more information on Stockton Beer Week events, head over to StocktonBeerWeek.com. Be sure to follow us on Facebook for giveaways and tag your photos on Instagram with hashtag Stockton Beer Week and hashtag Visit Stockton. New 2014 Keep Calm and Drink beer shirts are here and on sale now at the Visit Stockton office. As always, be safe, celebrate craft beer, and enjoy. Cheers! We hope you enjoyed part one of our conversation with Steve Altamari on episode 98. We have a large conversation, so if you would like to continue and listen to the rest of it, download part two to enjoy the rest of our talk with Steve Altamari. Thank you.